I just want to introduce our rowing moms tonight. We welcome these two mothers willing to share their important stories in the capacity that they feel comfortable, and that is anonymously tonight. We are so grateful to them for their bravery and speaking out. Let's give girls a voice, and they're here to do just that. So I'd like to welcome Rowing Mom 1 and 2. So hello. Today I'm going to be describing my youngest daughter's experience. I'm choosing to speak anonymously, at least for now. My daughter's high school does not offer rowing as a sport, so she's fortunate to be able to row with an independent rowing program, and it's a fantastic program. But it does take, you know, 35 to 40 minutes to commute each way. You know, it's a commitment of time as well as everything else. So she's been rowing with that program since spring of eighth grade. She was a cross-country runner before that. She absolutely loves the sport of rowing and gives it absolutely everything she's got mentally and physically, six days a week, all year round. In fall of ninth grade, she tried out for and made the girls competitive team there and quickly realized that like most endurance sports, rowing is extremely challenging physically as well as mentally. The competition is very fierce, even at 14 years old. And to make a prioritized boat, the athlete has to be extremely strong, determined, independently driven, but team focused and give 110% effort every single day. And she enjoys those challenges. So like many athletes, my daughter started going to bed earlier, waking up earlier and making many sacrifices in her life in order to make her sport her top priority. In return for all her, for all her hard work, she has gained a ton from her rowing experience. I can say the same thing about my rowing experience. I was a D1 um, rower many years ago. <laughs> Even after just two years of rowing on the team, even during the pandemic, honing her skills and having personal and team goals to strive for and achieve really changed her in such a positive way, pushing herself time and time again beyond what she thought were her limits. She discovered new limits and then set her sights on new goals, not just rowing goals, but life skills and life goals. Her self-esteem, which had been fairly low at the time, dramatically improved. Rowing gave her confidence in herself, including her body, her mind, and her skills. She learned resilience, grit, determination, work ethic, and so much more. She learned that if you really focus and consistently work hard and never give up, you can achieve extraordinary things and make a big difference for your team. So one evening in early September, 2021, I picked her up from the first day of crew team tryouts because in this program, all rowers, both veteran and those new to the program, have to try out every year, if not um, twice a year. It was her junior year, and she was not yet 16 and a half, so no driver's license yet. When she got in the car, she was almost out of breath with emotion. And that emotion was a combination of shock and fear. Her first comment was, I feel like I've been assaulted emotionally. You're not going to believe what happened today. She then proceeded to tell me that a rower on the boys team last year was now going by a new name and trying out for the girls team. She said this person now identifies as a girl, but looks and sounds male in every way. Six foot two, deep voice, facial hair, muscular arms and legs and broad shoulders, and an ERG score that tops all the girls on the team, except for maybe the top one or two. 
She said, so in order to make the team and a top boat, we all have to compete against this tall, muscular athlete who's been rowing on the boys team and has way more testosterone than we have. And what's worse, she said, this male-bodied person now uses our locker room and apparently that's just the way it is and there's nothing we can do about it. And it sucks because, you know, we all got used to, we all used to get changed in there in front of each other as we talked and laughed and stuff. But after today, no one feels comfortable doing that anymore. Not in front of someone who's clearly got male genitalia. So needless to say, my husband and I were pretty shocked. <laughs> we thought, surely this must be a mistake or somehow a misunderstanding. So the next day I called the coach just to, you know, get some clarity. And I carefully broached the topic and to see if what I heard was really true. He confirmed it and diplomatically validated my concerns. And he encouraged me to call or email the executive director of the whole rowing program or and and or the director of operations who oversees the boys and girls competitive teams. So I took his advice and spent two hours writing an email to both of them, explaining that I thought that springing this on the girls with no discussion beforehand about changes in locker room policy or etiquette or, you know, allowing the girls to ask questions or voice their concerns or perhaps their fears. I, I thought it just wasn't right that the girls were confused and worried, um, but didn't dare say anything for fear of making waves. I thought having a male-bodied athlete compete for one of the girls' spots on the team, first of all, wasn't really right. And second, get naked in front of them and vice versa in the locker room was just really unfair to the girls. Competitively, you know, I thought it's just not a fair playing field. We all know and can plainly see the physical advantage that 16 years of testosterone has on someone's physique. I mean, are they going to now allow doping amongst female athletes to even the playing field? Obviously, no one, no one wants that or no one would, none of us would allow it for our daughters. But also about the locker room. These kids are not three years old. I mean, this was all just going through my mind in a, in a horror, you know, as I was trying to put together this email. I didn't say any of what I'm telling you right now, but this was going through my mind, you know. They're not three years old. They're fully developed physically. Are our daughters supposed to pretend this person had a body like theirs and, and got a period every month and cramps to go with it just like them? I mean, was this male-bodied being going to stare at them as they got undressed? It was just so weird and uncomfortable for them. I mean, this all happened literally overnight. I mean, not even. It was the first day of tryouts. I've really felt that the girls deserved a chance to not only process all of this, which was completely new to them, but also ask questions, voice their fears and concerns. Um, so in the email, I was open about my concerns, but I didn't, you know, as I said, I didn't go into the kind of detail I just told you. I wanted to be careful to keep my tone thoughtful and measured so I wouldn't, you know, just get dismissed as a crazy crew mom. I naively thought it all must have just happened so fast that the powers that be at the top must not really have had time to really think through all the ramifications, but surely they would once I share my daughter's feelings, concerns, and desires to feel, you know, her desires to feel heard. Unfortunately, I quickly realized I was wrong. So what happened was I sent the email. I heard back from the director of operations who asked if I'd like to schedule a phone call so she could quote, better understand my concerns, which is, you know, great. 
So I suggested a Zoom call. And meantime, I'd been talking to my friend. Well, I didn't really even know her very well at the time, mom number two here. And she was having the exact same sort of shocked feelings and worried and concerns and questions and confusion as I was. And apparently so was her daughter. And make waves just because you don't want to be that that woman. I'm ashamed to say that, but that's the way I felt. We're trying to be all diplomatic and tactful. So we had the Zoom call and I asked if she could join it. And the the director of operations said sure. And we got on this call where I realized what the F, like there's, there's a missing link here or something. And I'm going to ask um, mom number two to hop on and fill in her memories from this phone call too. But basically the person, the director of operations, which is a woman, she said, so I don't understand what's the problem. I mean, and I said something like, well, I expressed some of the things I had said to you guys just a few minutes ago. And when I said, you know, it's very new experience and very scary and feels very unfair to the girls and to us as moms that they were competing for a spot on the team against someone with a, a male physique and 16 years of, of building testosterone and a greater height and much bigger shoulders and longer arms, which makes a difference in rowing and longer legs, which definitely makes a difference in rowing and bigger muscles, which obviously make the difference in rowing. And I didn't even know at the time, but not only that, this person was not taking any female hormones or doing anything to, um, you know, change in that respect. Um, even if, you know, the person had been, I know now that in addition to the testosterone changes, you know, they've got a much bigger heart capacity and lung capacity and VO2 max and all that kind of thing. But I didn't get into all that. I just, I was trying to ask her to understand the perspective of these, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old girls. And she asked, what would, what would you, what would you like? I mean, what are you asking for? And well, when I first mentioned about the male physique part, she said, well, it's the, I mean, you rode in college. I'm sure, you know, you, why is it any different from a six foot two or six foot five for that matter, 220 pound woman. But, um, and I said, very different. We had that all the time in competition, women on my team too, like women much bigger, but that's different. That is so different. Of course, you're going to be competing and going against in tryouts and, and, competition, female-bodied women who are much bigger and stronger and, you know, more physically fit than you are. That, that's fair because that's the, still a level playing field as far as I'm concerned. And that's where the challenge lies and the beautiful challenge at that. But what I don't feel is that this is a fair playing field. And what's more, you know, my daughter used the words, I feel like I've been emotionally assaulted. And she was really freaked out about the locker room. And I thought, you know, these girls, I said to her, these girls really need a chance to be heard and to be told, you know, to be 
allowed to ask questions and voice their concerns and, and fears in a way where they're not going to be made to feel shamed for asking those questions or having those wonders, like, does this mean I'm not going to have a spot on the team? That kind of thing. And she basically thought we were crazy and this, we were completely out of line for asking this. And um, at one point, mom number two said, well, so our daughters know we're on the Zoom call with you tonight and they're waiting with bated breath for us to get off the call and go report to them what happened, what happened, what they say. What are we supposed to tell them? Like, tough, too bad, it's the way it is. And she said, well, yeah. I mean, what do you, yeah, it's the way it is. And I was just so stymied that I, I, I sort of was shocked into silence for a while. And then mom number two, I'm gonna let her tell this part of the story, but she came forward and said, okay, how about, this is like a day or two later, I've got an idea. How about a time where we can have a, um, like a, a forum where the girls can ask questions and raise their concerns, writing it down on pieces of paper and submit them anonymously so that they're, so that they feel heard. They're not out to be, um, you know, mad or ruffle any feathers or blah, blah, blah. But, you know, God forbid girls get mad sort of not allowed. And, um, <laughs> and she heard that. And then mom number two put that in writing with to that for the director of operations and the executive director. And we came up with some, what we thought was a really helpful solution. And they said, great idea. We love this idea. We're going to put that through soon. And I said, you know, the sooner the better, like it should happen before November. This was middle of or early September. Well, guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened until January or December or January. I can't remember exactly. And when they did bring in somebody to have this forum, it was online because we were still sort of in, it was still 2021. And there was no forum or way for the girls to ask questions anonymously or not. It was the opposite basically of what we had been asking for. It was basically a lecture. This is the way it is, accept it, shut up and quit your bitching. That was the gist of it. And I was so shocked. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not proud to say, you know, I was like, you know what? I, I'm so mad, I'm so done but my daughter loves this team and I don't want to mess anything up for her. So I'm not going to ruffle anymore. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. So I stayed quiet and going forward after that. And when I asked my daughter about the locker room situation a few months later, she's like, oh, that's kind of fine now. It doesn't bother me. And the vision I have is you know, you're told over and over and over again, this is the way it is, this is normal, this is what society says, and this is the way it has to be. Suppress your feelings, girls. Suppress your thoughts, suppress your fears and concerns and just confusion and suck it up. And I feel like that just was the way it was. So, you know, when the frog is in the pot of lukewarm water and it slowly gets hotter and hotter, the frog never jumps out. 
and then the frog dies. So the good thing about my daughter, and I hope the other girls were like this too, she said, I am not going to let that person take away my spot on the boat. And she dug in and she tried and trained harder and harder and harder and harder. Um, and she wasn't replaced by that person. But it, I just feel like, you know, if someone loses their seat in, in a coveted boat that they're training so hard for because someone comes in with a clear advantage, I just feel for that girl who doesn't get that spot, who's dropped, who would have had it, had that male-bodied athlete not come in. And the locker room situation is where my daughter just got really kind of numb to it and just said, oh, no big deal. I just never change in there anymore. No one does. They change in their cars. They change at home. We just don't even do the locker room anymore. So that's sort of all I've got for you right now. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I'm choosing to stay anonymous as well to protect my daughter, but that is inherently problematic that I should feel that I have to do that. Um, but thank you. I just want to thank Icons for having us. And to be fair, to be honest, this is the first place that I think we're actually going to feel heard and understood. And I, I'm sad to say, who would have thought that after all the battle for Title IX, we would be back to saying that. Um, and thank you enormously for your hard work because you're the only beacon of hope, frankly, that I have uh, about that, you know, women's right in sports matters. So um, I'll take over from where Rowing Mom um, spoke. Basically, uh, and I'll answer a couple of questions that came up on the chat. This is a, a high level high school uh, rowing club, uh, which does uh, send most of their athletes to uh, high level collegiate rowing. Um, so, you know, the, the, it, in the fall of the fall season, once the male athlete joined the team, it turned out that, um, you know, he had very poor techniques. So along with rowing mom one, I too just, just basically wanted to ignore it and suppress it because we felt so incredibly helpless. We, when we were on that Zoom call with the director of operations and we said, you know, your motto is inclusivity for all. Um, and, and they do a good job with that, with trying to make rowing accessible to lots and lots of different groups. Uh, and we said, how is this inclusive of the girls? And we, why did this, you know, we're in this, she basically just said, well, we have to, we have to be inclusive and make uh, this person, you know, feel at home because that's the way it is. And I just couldn't believe that uh, it was so easy to dismiss us. Um, so, you know, the, the girls had a big question, which was what happens on a regatta? And normally it's two, be two beds and four girls in a room that my daughter was very concerned about having to share a room or a bed with uh, this male athlete. Uh, they couldn't ask about that either. They couldn't say, you know, that makes me very uncomfortable uh, because they would be, they were afraid of the repercussions and they would be canceled. Um, and the first regatta, basically the coach who also 
genuinely cares about our girls, but was also helpless, basically asked a fairly relaxed, easygoing girl if she would be okay with sharing a room with this male athlete. And she said yes. And looking back, I think that there's so it's so problematic that a at that time 15-year-old girl uh, who is a minor, really, could she even consent to this? Um, and they has to share a locked hotel room with a male athlete. But we didn't even, that didn't even occur to us then. Um, and it, it, we think back on it now, but they, that regatta happened. Um, and fast forward to spring, 2022, uh, this after months of this male athlete basically being allowed unlimited rights, wearing extremely tight, still the male spandex unis, uh, you know, zero outward changes to try to look female, walking around the boathouse, boasting about how fast he was and how he had, of course he would be picked for the top boat, which is a huge no-no. It was an absolute no-no, rightfully so at the club, terrible for team culture. But again, um, so many people were muzzled, including the coaches to say anything. And that's one of the many problems. Um, my daughter would come home often and say she was so depressed by rowing that season. Uh, it always where it used to be her reliable picker-upper, her stress relief. She'd have a bad school day and she would go row and come back full of endorphins. Um, she and her friend were changing in the car. Um, and they faced their feelings didn't count. Their concerns didn't count. Um, that was the clear message. So the next incident that occurred was that there's a very strict, no fraternizing rule in the club, especially while away on a regatta. They repeat this before every single regatta. It's very, very strict and understandably so. Uh, this male athlete was caught making out with one of the girls' toxins from the boys' team while away on a regatta. Apparently, there was photographic evidence of this. Um, and all that rowing mom, Juan and I know, is that uh, he was not reprimanded or barred from the team at this point. Now, keep in mind, if it had happened, if one of the girls had been caught doing that, they would immediately have been kicked off the team. No, no questions asked. And so that was another incident. Um, and fi the final incident, which actually landed up uh, being our saving grace, but my daughter's best friend was changing in the locker room because she was in a hurry that day. The male athlete walked by and said, ooh, titties. And one, one of the other girls asked him right there. He confirmed that this was the first time he had seen breasts and grinned. Uh, the girl who had changed in the locker room left sobbing, uh, didn't tell her parents because she just wanted to forget it ever happened. Understandably, uh, when the parents found out, you know, they of course, we're right at the boathouse admin. Uh, our girls felt scared to report it, again, because of fear of repercussions. And at this point, rowing mom, one and I, again, you know, trudged back to the head of the boathouse uh, to say, have you, this, this is illegal. This is not safe. This is, uh, you know, have you heard about this? And it so happened that the head of the boathouse had heard about the incident that day. And thankfully, it had been reported to U.S. rowing safe sport. And a few weeks later, the male athlete was suspended from the boathouse. There was no debrief for the team after this. The girl who was 
changing in the locker room, told her close friends she felt dirty for weeks. Uh, and she didn't change in the locker room, actually, till the following season. Uh, and when we said again at this meeting, uh, our girls and their basic right had been marginalized all year again. And how is this inclusive? I will say, you know, it, we we felt hurt at that moment. Uh, but looking back on it, Ray, mom and I, of course, concluded nothing came of it. Not one thing. So if a male athlete is on this women's crew team again in the future, the, there is probably nothing that will have changed. The marginalization will likely occur again. And I just want to end just by saying, and this is, I feel very strongly about this because it's about women's rights and protecting them. But this is a triggering issue for many people. And my myself, when I was 16, you know, was raped, sexually abused, et cetera. And I was lucky I've been able to work on that. But this smacks of all of the things that I worked so hard to write in my amygdala. The, this, there was complete disregard for women's rights, the women's rights to freedom of expression, not just the athletes, but the parents and the coaches, their right to a safe space in this place, which was a second and a home away from home, their right to be considered equal. This completely ceased to matter. Um, and the powerlessness, the sheer powerlessness was incredible, like in this day and age. And you know, definitely being told they didn't matter, their feelings didn't matter, their well-being did not matter. Um, these are all reminiscent of every single instance of uh, abuse and rape. And I'm not saying that this is equal to that, but it's definitely got the same overtones and we cannot let this happen. Um, you know, 40 girls on this team were effectively muzzled and their mental well-being pushed aside for an entire year in favor of one single male athlete. And like a rock thrown into a still lake, the harm from this extends in multiple waves. The girls, then we the mothers who were also muzzled and made to feel completely inconsequential. The coaches also who actually cared about our girls. And that's, that's, that's the end of the story. <laughs>